Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. transition this all the way to the rest of my communion message and I'm going to try and make it as short and concise as I can because I know that there are many of us today that are in need of a touch of heaven and I believe that the that Jesus is here to do that. How many of you guys have already experienced that, already felt the touch of heaven this morning? Come on, all over the room. Thank you, Jesus. One of the first things that um, I think about when it comes to the bread, uh, which is uh, Jesus' body, um, is how Matthew, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, words of pray like this. It's a common prayer, a very familiar one, a biblical one, a, a command even from Jesus. How many of you guys know that when uh, Jesus talks, it's important? That's why we read the Bible, because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So there's no part of the Bible that's irrelevant because it's Jesus. Amen. I appreciate that one. Amen. Come on. There you go, y'all. Stay with me. Now. I know it's thick in here. I know. Um, there's a lot of things that are going through our minds, but um, let's just meditate on who Jesus is uh, because he's always on to, to say in the prayer, give us today our daily bread. And I think a lot of times it's easy to get wrapped up in the thought that we need to eat every day. How many of you guys already had something to eat today? You got plans to go get some lunch today? How many of you guys are fasting today? One, one guy, okay, all right, awesome. Maybe, maybe those of you online are fasting. Um, fasting is not necessarily a normal occurrence, but it is a biblical um, practice. Um, Jesus said, when you fast. But anyways, all that to say that um, we like to eat. I, I think that's okay. I think it's important. Um, so when Jesus says, you know, give us today our daily bread, most of our minds are going to think about what that literally means. I mean, and who doesn't like bread? But I digress because what I believe this points more to is the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. How many of you guys know Jesus said, I am the bread of life? He was actually born in Bethlehem, which it means the house of bread. Jesus comes from the house of bread and he is our daily bread. And, um, and so the interesting, one of the few interesting things about that is that um, the Israelites, we read about the Israelites in um, Exodus, how they had to get their daily bread. How many of you guys remember what it was called? Manna, manna from heaven. And the interesting thing about manna is that manna didn't last. Manna would spoil if you kept it for more than a day unless it was the Sabbath. They would get the uh, portion of the Sabbath's manna on the, the night before because the Sabbath was a day of rest. That was the only time daily bread lasted. Again, <laughs> to digress, the point is that you had to go get it. Somebody say, go get it. 
daily bread is not something that you, act, you accidentally, um, generally speaking, you come upon. It's something that you have to go find. You gotta open your fridge to get it, right? You gotta go to your pantry to get it. You gotta open your Bible to get it. You've gotta go to the living word to get it. And so one of the important things that we see here by the representation of this wafer, cracker, whatever you wanna call it, a sad excuse for bread, <laughs> is that it's something that we have to um, practice by um, making a habit of. Um, I, I like to think of it this way, or another way I like to think of it is that Jesus didn't say that I am the cake of life. You know, I like to eat cake a lot. It doesn't show, but I do. But the reality of it, and we know this as, as adults, that if we want to uh, feel good, we're not just going to fill our bodies with cake all the time. We need bread. We need sustenance. We need something more than just sugar, cake, you know, flour, icing, you know, those, those kind of things. We, we need more than just, just sweets. And Jesus is the very sustenance of life. In John 6, and this is in the Passion Translation, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me. John 6, 35. Got it for him? He said, come every day, just like we were talking about. Come every day to me, and you will never be hungry. Believe in me, and you will never be thirsty. And there's uh, some very key points here, some secrets here, because Jesus is getting ready to talk about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now, this is something that I have tried to wrap my head around, but the secret is right here in front of us. When Jesus said, when you come to me, you will never be hungry. In other words, those who come to Jesus will eat of his body. Do, do, let's, ask this, let's ask a question. Do, do you believe that if you do not eat, you will starve? Yes, not a trick question. Do you re understand and know that your spirit needs to be fed as well? We are spirits, we possess a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions are our soul, and we live in a body. You can pinch yourself, you can pat yourself, you can feel your body, but your spirit is, is the person who is really inside of you, and your spirit is the one who needs to be fed just like your body does, and the only thing that can satisfy your spirit. How many of you guys have ever uh, gone to a counterfeit to feed your spirits? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, spirits. You've tried, you've tried that stuff, but it doesn't satisfy you. You've tried stuff that doesn't satisfy you. And that's why Jesus said, you need to come to me when? How often? Every day. And you will never be hungry. And then he said this. He said, believe in me and you will never be thirsty. Now, of course, we have to understand and know that Jesus said very clearly, I am living water. But here in this passage of scripture, we're talking about the blood of Jesus. And so apparently there's, there's a, a sustaining that takes place spiritually as we believe in Jesus. And believing in Jesus um, has so much more to do, has so much more than just going to church, has so much more to do than just going through the motions. So um, that's why we're taking some time to have a communion Sunday today. Um, not to say that this is how it's always going to be, but there was just something special the Lord wanted to uh, give to us today in talking about his blood and his body. So we skip down a few verses, and there's a, a pretty interesting conversation that takes here in, 
takes place here in John chapter six. So welcome you to read it. Um, But we're gonna skip all the way down to verse 47. And Jesus says, I speak to you the living truth. Living truth, unite your heart to me and believe and you will experience eternal life. How many of you guys know that sometimes when you go through life, there are things that you feel like are missing, like things that aren't, aren't connecting. How many of you guys have ever felt like that? Or maybe you're feeling like that this weekend, yeah? Things that, that don't connect all the dots. Maybe, you're, um, maybe you feel like there's a puzzle piece missing, or maybe you feel like you are the missing puzzle piece and you're trying to find out where you fit. Um, and I believe that these, these things are right here in front of us when Jesus said, come to me, believe in me. And then he says, unite your heart to me and believe and you will experience eternal life. There's um, a, a, a saying that's been plaguing me pretty recently and it has to do with this, that if we are only free when we die and go to heaven, then Jesus is not our savior, but death is. If we are only free after we die and leave this earth, come on, how many of you guys deal with stuff on a daily basis? I know I do. But yet Jesus is our savior, is he not? It's not what the Bible declares him. And again, in Exodus, you know, it says that the serpent had to be lifted on the cross in order that they who looked upon him they would believe and they would, they would be healed. They would be restored because they had been bitten by snakes because they were, they were little sinners. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus had to be lifted and hung on a cross in order that those who believe would be saved. And when you get to look at that word saved, there's a, a Greek word that I'm pretty familiar with. And I'm not a word, word guy as much as Pastor Cameron, but I'm certainly fascinated by them. It's a, it's a a word that you could pronounce like sozo, S-O-Z-O. Sozo, um, I think a lot of times people, I, let, let me say it this way. I used to get hung up on the fact that salvation meant having eternal life or making sure that I didn't go to hell. That's a pretty good deal as far as I'm concerned. But when you start to look at that word, it deals with so much more than just a ticket to heaven. And just for the record, Hell wasn't made for man. Hell was made for the angels who rebelled against God. And so for those of us who don't believe in God, we're rebelling in him. And therefore there is no other option because God can't have anything to do with those who rebel against him, with those who aren't holy. And so that's why belief is so important because it makes us righteous. It is the belief of our hearts that makes us righteous and the confession of our mouth that brings us to salvation. That's why faith and confession and belief, they're they're all so important. And, And so as we look at this word and believe in what it says, it has to do with a saving of our soul, of our spirit and our body. Literally a completion, a wholeness, being made whole. And for those of us who experience lack on a daily basis, it doesn't mean that we're wrong or that our belief isn't there necessarily. We can get tied up in, in theology and, and, and dogma, doctrines, etc., as to, you know, why or why not, you know, are we suffering or experiencing sickness? But I, I, I just like 
what we've kind of been meditating on recently, and uh, like I mentioned last week, when I tried to preach for pastor, because I, I noted this, that God is a God of completion. I believe this so deeply. I, my, my version is that God is a God of, of goodness. And if it's not good, it's, he's not done with it. Well, Jess says it this way. She, he's, she says, God is a God of completion. And if something is incomplete, then he's not finished. He's so good. He's such a, a loving and good father. And this is what his body was for us. It was given for us so that we didn't have to lack. I speak to you the living truth. What? Verse 47, it says what? Unite your heart to me and believe, and you will experience eternal life. That's a promise, folks. If you're missing something, it's right there in front of you. Verse 53, and I find this... um, beyond coincidental because Isaiah 53 is the chapter about Jesus body given for us. So John 6:53 says Jesus said to them listen to this eternal truth. <laughs> Do you know that truth is absolute? At one point in time truth will overtake and overcome everything else because Jesus is truth. Absolutely mind-boggling here. Listen to this eternal truth. Unless you eat the body of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you will not have eternal life. How do we do that? Verse 35 says, come to me every day and believe in me. So how do we eat His bread? How do we eat His body and drink His blood? We come to Him and we believe in Him. Verse 54 says, eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood. So this is twice he's saying the same thing here, just a little bit different way. And he says, I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 55, for my body is the real food for your spirit. Whoa, y'all feel that? Oh my gosh. I just feel like I, I just started, my blood started pumping more. For my body is real food for your spirit and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body, here it is the third time in three verses. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. There's an interesting uh, subnote here in verse 54. Back up for you, please. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body. The subnote about body says this, to eat Jesus' body, to eat his flesh, and I, you'll have to forgive me, it's not there on the screen. So to eat his flesh is to take into our life by faith all that Jesus did for us by giving his body for us. To drink his blood is to take by faith all that the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. So to eat his flesh is to take into our life by faith all that Jesus did for us by giving his body for us. And to drink his blood is to take by faith all that the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. This, quote, eating and drinking, is receiving the life, power, and virtue of all that Jesus is to replace all that we were in Adam. So eating Jesus and drinking of Jesus is the receiving of life and to replace all that we were in Adam. We once were what? We're lost, but now we're found. Jesus' blood and body 
is the tree of life, which is offered to everyone who follows in him. This is his body given for us. Take and eat in remembrance. Jesus, thank you for your body given for us in so many different ways, crushed, bruised, but never broken for us. Yet you willingly laid down your life like a lamb taken to the slaughter. Lord, you were the perfect sacrifice and you willingly gave your life for us. How much more will you not freely give, Father? You lay, you sacrifice your son for us. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for your body. We thank you for your body given for us. Mm, it sustains us. Come on, I know you. Is there anybody who's feeling nourished by the body of Jesus today? You might check if there's any, any sickness that feels like it's gone. It's left your body as you came to him in remembrance of the body which was given for us. Thank you, Lord. Lord, also we thank you for your blood poured out for us on Calvary. A couple of weeks ago, I got to preach on friendship and the power of presence, a marker for my life that I will learn for the rest of my life, I believe. I believe friendship is so important to the heart of God because John 15, 13 says that we're to put our life on the line for our friends. That's the message. I didn't know this, but dad, dad says it's a translation. I, I'd always thought it was a paraphrase. He, just, he studies way more than me, though, so I, I take his word at it. One day I'll have to look it up, though. I will, because I want to know for myself. It's important that we do that. It's important that you, you, we ask questions. Why should we eat Jesus' body? They, were, they, they asked that question uh, in John 6. Drink your blood? They were like, you are sick. We're out of here. But friendship is so important to the heart of God. In the Amplified, verse 12, Jesus says this, this is my great commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. John 15, verse 12, Amplified. Great, thanks. Verse 13 says, no one has greater love and no one has shown stronger affection. It, this, isn't it miraculous and amazing that the one who created us came down to be our savior and to be our friend. And the reason I know he's a friend is because it uses this word affection. Someone who's divine and someone who is superior doesn't show affection to subordinates. I, I, not in my mind. I thought God kept me in arm, arm's reach for a long time. How many of you guys? I didn't think I could get close to God. But Jesus says right here, 
as I have loved you. As I have loved you. I, he showed compassion. He showed us affection when he laid his life down. Verse 13, no one has greater love. No one has shown stronger affection than to lay down and give up his own life for his friends. Who is he talking about? His, himself. To us, yes. He's talking about laying his own life down for his friends. Romans talks about that it, it makes sense that a righteous person, a perfect, a good person, talking about Jesus, would lay down his life for a noble, a noble person. That makes sense. But we're, we're just sinners. We're dirty. We were broken. We were lost. We were far away from God. There was nothing we could do to break ourselves from the, the prison that we deserved. Right? And yet it is the mercy and the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, His compassion, His unfailing love which he poured out on Calvary before we ever did a thing to deserve it. And he says, he says, I don't want you to do anything to deserve it. You don't get it. You don't, you don't, think about it this way. Your children, your family doesn't do anything to qualify or disqualify themselves from being family. Of course, it's important that we look through the lens of, of father and child. And he says that his plan was to establish. Some versions say adoption, but I, I think the reality of, of that is a, it's a poor translation. It has to do with being reborn, born again. You guys have heard about that before, right? And so that's why it's so important that when we, we read in Ephesians, will you put uh, Ephesians 1, 7 up there for me? I didn't have it in my notes. You can stay in the Amplified. That's great. 1, 7. Perfect. Verse 8, I'm trying to remember where it's at. Go back to 6. I've, I've reading through these scriptures. Well, it's, it's one of these verses. It talks about how um, it was his great pleasure to adopt us. That's what I was, that was the verse I was looking for. Which one is that? Huh? Five? Ah, oh, I was so close. Okay, verse five. There we go. Okay, so he foreordained us. He destined and planned us in love for us to be adopted. And like I said, I believe that the word would, is better translated. And don't take it from my, don't take it just because I said so. Look it up. It's better translated to be established. And of course it says here in parentheses, revealed as his own children through Jesus in accordance with the purpose of whose will? His will. It was God's will to establish us as his own children. What do, what do children have to, to do? What do God's children have to do? I mean, okay, pipe down. He's no, he, knows all the, he knows all the secrets. He said, believe. It, it's true. How much of what we do is believing? And how much of it is busyness? Ugh. Busyness is a tool of the enemy. Uh, 
know if I would, I would say it's, it's one thing that he tries to direct us to. He can't govern your will, but he's kind of suggests that you better get that stuff done. I, I, I think the reality of busyness is that it, it's a work of the flesh. It, it's, it's law. The law said do. And we're, the society and culture that we live in, everything says you have to do to get. But God says, believe to be. Believe to become who have called you to be. We have something that we're uh, pretty fond of here at Trinity. And that's that we will never be more concerned about what you do for us, whether you're on the stage or serving in the nursery or cleaning toilets, than about who you are. We've had people call out on Sunday morning. We've had people, you know, miss staff stuff, events for family's sake. Uh, and it's not necessarily always easy in the moment to say, put family first, but I, I will do it when it comes to my family. Because at the end of the day, and at the beginning, that's my ministry. That's your ministry. It's first and foremost, us. Be united with Jesus. Be. Those, those two simple letters can take you so far. Become, be who he's called you to be. Can I suggest to you that as we rest in the finished work of the cross and as blood poured out and going through the rest of today and this week, that you don't get so consumed with busyness and and doing and forget who he's called you to be, his child. That's one of the big things about this blood. Um, Ephesians 2.13 says, but now, somebody say, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away. That's hard. It wasn't even far away. It said so far. You're like, I don't think I'm that bad. Nope, you were so far away from Christ, right? I know, like it sings a little bit, but the reality of appreciating everything that God has done for us is understanding the why. Somebody say the why. The why. Why did Jesus, the King of glory, the only Son of God, or the firstborn Son of God, I should say, now that we're His children, we're sons and daughters of God as well, are we not? Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. But once... We were so far away from him. Can you, for a moment, as we are meditating on the blood of Jesus, think about how far you were away from him. Think about, you know, those, those sleepless, those dark nights when you felt so alone. But now through the blood, by the blood, we have been brought near. Come on, can you thank him for his blood today? Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that has brought us near. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that has brought us near. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that has brought us near. We're going to go back into a song just here in a minute.
want to open up the altar for any of those who feel far from Christ. Guys, if you're online and you're feeling far from Jesus, I need you to let me know so we can pray for you today. I believe heaven wants to invade every single person's life. Prayer team, I'm gonna need you to get, get ready to get down here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. You've brought us near by your blood. On the same night that you were betrayed, Jesus, you took the cup in the same manner and giving thanks, you commanded us to drink of it. That we would remember, oh Jesus, we remember. <laughs> Jesus, we remember. Oh, you are Savior. We look to you. We look upon you, Jesus. We remember that you shed your blood for us, that you gave your life for us. Oh, that you hugged that whipping post for us. Jesus, we remember that you wore that crown of thorns for us. And we don't just remember that it's what you did, but we remember that it's why you did it. It was for us, Jesus. We remember that it was for every single one of us who would believe. Even though we spit on you, even though we... We cursed you even though we didn't believe. Jesus, you, you said forgive them. They don't know. You look to the Father, the same Father that now we cry, Abba, Father. And you said forgive them. They do not know. Oh, Father, would you forgive us in our ignorance? Father, would you forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others? This is our Savior. This is our Savior. Jesus, you are our Savior. Oh, yeah, come on. There's power in those words. Come on, can you tell them today? Jesus, you are my Savior. Jesus, you are Savior. You are the Savior. Come on, there's, there's abundance of life and blessing and favor upon those words. Oh, as you echo the truth that Jesus is Savior. Come on, he's beautiful. Jesus, you are Savior. Let us drink of his blood in remembrance that we have been brought near. How would you stand and worship? Before we dismiss, I just, again, just want to make sure that you know that at this altar, there's a river of life. It's not to say that you can't access a river of life other places, but I'm just letting you know what I see and hear for right now. Prayer partners, I need you to come up here. They're, they're passing a trash bag around for the empty communion cup. But if you need life, I'm telling you folks, if you have been experiencing lack, if there is pain in your body, if there's, if you need a, a financial anything, financial miracle or anything otherwise, thank you, Jesus.
I believe the Lord really wants to impart heaven to you today. Thank you, Jesus. We're open, we're open, Lord, we're open. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, is there anybody who needs a touch of heaven? Anybody? Well, you can come down.
Touch of hate. 